The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where we bring you disclosure, one guest at a time. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. This is episode number 34. Ever since Veritas was born, I found it very hard to separate conspiracies from the main topic of UFOs. In reality, they are interconnected. I've said that before. However, you will not hear the term conspiracy that often on this show. Conspiracy is the term the powers that be want you to use. From flying saucers, the intelligence apparatus was clever to introduce the term unidentified flying objects, which creates confusion and ridicule. That is why on this show, instead of saying conspiracies, we prefer to use the term parapolitics or parapolitical research. I know there are many of you who write to me and are interested in knowing more about the iron fist behind the invisible hand of politics. This show is for you. In a few minutes, you will hear a brave man who has researched parapolitics for a lifetime. We will discuss some of his books, including The Unseen Hand, The New World Order, and others. Traditionally, I like to keep our shows within two hours, but I also like to keep my promise to you that if the material warrants it and the guest agrees on staying, we will add an additional segment. Tonight's three-hour show 
is an example of just that. We'll break at the end of the first hour and we'll continue the next two hours, again, without any commercial interruptions. We are going to jump right ahead with our special guest, A. Ralph Epperson. But first, since this is our very first solid parapolitics show, I want to give some background to those of you who are not familiar with the term. The term parapolitics was first conceived and elaborated by Professor Raghavan Iyer of Oxford University in his work Parapolitics Toward the City of Man. Also, Peter Dale Scott describes parapolitics as, quote, all those political practices and arrangements, deliberate or not, which are usually repressed rather than acknowledged, unquote. The term is used to describe either covert political activity that is hidden from the public or a complete de facto political system, typically comprising elements of the military and intelligence apparatus hidden from the public, political actions of subterfuge, secrecy, and deceit, and is increasingly used in discussions on democracy to describe coalitions of institutions and corporations who operate above or outside of the elected government. The topic would cover subjects such as assassinations, covert actions, the CIA and drugs, MKUltra, BCCI, 9-11, and electoral theft. In other words, subjects sniffed at by debunkers as quote-unquote tinfoil hat stuff. If you need to get in touch with me with questions or feedback, send me an email to mail, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com, or stop by the Manticore Forum and join the discussion. By the way, this week's Veritas Show Forum discussion is, what is your favorite conspiracy and why? I also want to let some of you who would prefer to download shows a la carte know that I'm working on a system that will allow just that. Of course, the membership is significantly discounted, but if you still want to download specific shows, I will provide that option to you soon. And now, get ready to examine nearly every aspect of the New World Order conspiracy, from forms of government to science, from Laetrile to the atomic bomb, and everything in between, such as secret societies, the Federal Reserve, population control, income taxes, the Civil War, the Kennedy assassination, the Vietnam War, the erosion of our constitutional rights, and much more. A conspiracy is not a theory. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Don't go anywhere. And our guest today is Ralph Epperson, who has studied the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States of America for many years and has discovered what he calls the fatal flaw inside the document. 
he believes that the information is not known to the American people and that he has decided to do all he can to make it public. He also believes that once the American people understand this, what is happening in this nation will make sense. So may I ask that you, listener, see if you can find a copy of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution so that you can read along with us while I'm telling you a little about our guest. That's okay. Stop the program now if you wish. Google or find these documents and then click on play. We'll be here. Mr. A. Ralph Epperson, welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? You're very kind to invite me. Thank you very much. My pleasure. May I call you Ralph? Oh, by all means, please do. If you'll allow Thank me you. to call you Mel. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, if anybody calls me Mr. Fabregas, I'll look behind me to see if I can find my father or my grandfather. Okay. Uh, in any event, the saying six degrees of separation seems to be so appropriate, Ralph. A few days ago, I had a friend of yours, uh, G. Edward Griffin, on the show, and one of, your, one of our loyal listeners all the way from Greece said, Mel, if you had Edward Griffin on, you must look into Ralph Epperson. And Ralph, that's how most of... The guests on this show come along. Someone out there, anywhere around the world, helps me connect the dots. And my job is to make it happen. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm very pleased. I don't believe I've ever talked to anybody in Greece, but I uh, so someone uh, must know, maybe because of uh, they've read a copy of my book, The Unseen Hand, quite possibly. Exactly. That and a lot of the other material. Uh, you also were friends with the late Bill Cooper, Ralph, and many of us listened to your interviews with him. I didn't know Bill had a publication called Veritas, and how coincidental that our show is called Veritas. But to start the show, let me borrow some words from the late Bill Cooper as he started his interview with you during his radio program, Hour of the Time. Quote, Ralph, give us some background. Who are you? Where do you come from? How did you get into this? What are you doing on this show? How did you get from point A, which is in complete, utter disbelief that anything like this could ever be real to now marching out here on the battlefield with others who have found that this is not only real but it's imminent those are words from bill cooper also what was the moment or what material did you study that made you open your eyes your paradigm shift ralph well yeah i went to uh, went to the university of arizona here in tucson and after i graduated i went to california for my first job and i joined the young republicans and i met a young man named jim who asked me why i was there and I said, because I'm from Arizona, I don't know anything about California. He said, no, you're here to read revisionist history. And I said, I've never heard that. He said, that's my point. So he started, asked me to read. I started. It took me probably uh, three books to figure out there was something going on in this country. And I got very, very concerned because I saw it. And I said, how come I not, was not taught this at the University of Arizona? So I started reading back in 1963. And I haven't stopped since. I'm still reading, although it's not quite as busy because I've read over 1,100 titles now. And I just, as it's like crawling up a ladder. The more you crawl up the ladder, the more there is to see. And you're constantly being exposed to new material that furthers your education. And that's the way it's been. I've been doing that for 40-some years. So the closer you are to the trees, the less you can see. But the more you move you are from it, then you can see the forest. Exactly correct. In fact, I'm quite convinced that there's something really big going on in this country, and I'm very frightened for their future. Your book, The Unseen Hand, was published back in 1985, and a lot of the material that you, you state on that book has come to fruition, has, has come to happen, and things continue to happen. 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't didn't know that when I wrote it in 1985 because I knew probably about 50 percent of what I know today, and I'd probably rewrite if I were to rewrite the book. I'd probably add at least that and maybe take some things out because this country is getting worse. We're going someplace, and I know what it is, and I know why we're going there. And I'm trying to do my part to get people educated so they can prevent it. We've got to stop what's going on in this country. Ralph, when I went to your website, my first impression for the first time, ralph-epperson.com, the first image that jumped at me was a copy of the front page of the Hawaiian newspaper Hilo Tribune. It's from November the 30th, 1941. That's a week before Pearl Harbor, uh, the attack happened. The headline reads, Japan may strike over weekend. Now, how could this newspaper know in advance, but President Roosevelt did not know? That's the question that I've been asking since I discovered this, although even in the unseen hand in 1985, back all the way back to 1973 when I was teaching at a community college in Oregon, I was covering the fact that we were... Uh, we knew about the attack on Pearl Harbor. In fact, Roosevelt sat in the White House waiting for notification because we had broken their naval code. We knew they were going to attack, and yet he did nothing. And this here, the nine congressional investigations were conducted after the the uh, Hilo, the uh, Hawaii attack at Pearl Harbor, and all nine of them said Roosevelt did not know. And yet here's a newspaper that says they knew the week before. This was a Sunday newspaper. The attack happened the next Sunday, December 7, 1941. One could reasonably conclude that President Roosevelt's intelligence sources were better than the newspaper, but many people say that the fact that Roosevelt knew and let it happen was so that the American people would finally get behind the war effort and that this was just a conspiracy theory. But here you are with a newspaper showing this. Yes, I know. The, in fact, our government planned, <clears throat> planned World War II with others uh, from England and uh, primarily Winston Churchill of England and, and, and the English government uh, back in 1920. And the plan was to create a, uh, a United Nations after the war was over. And the reason they were going to use was the fact that they were trying to convince us that nations cause wars. And if we can abolish nationalism with the world government, we can abolish war. Remember, World War I was fought to be the war that ended all wars, and yet it wasn't, because the Treaty of Versailles was not approved, so they planned World War II, and World War II killed 53 million people, and that's okay, because we had to have the United Nations. That's the thinking of these uh, people like Franklin Roosevelt. After World War I, didn't we become an isolationist uh, country? We just, if anybody had conflicts, we would let them do it, just like Ron Paul says these days. Let them deal with their own issues, and we'll just protect our borders here. What happened? What what was the moment that made Roosevelt? I, I, I'm sure that he had influence to make him change that posture. Well, it, it wasn't him. It was Woodrow Wilson. The uh, uh, George Washington, in his farewell address warned America by something to the effect that we should avoid foreign entanglements. Which Correct. Means especially Europe's foreign entanglements. And to avoid them, stay away, let, like, like Ron Paul said, let them resolve it, and uh, then uh, we won't get involved. And suddenly we had to change because the goal was to create a uh, United Nations, first of all, a League of Nations, which failed to then plan a second world war to give us the United Nations. Isn't the League of Nations just the same 
or actually backwards, isn't the United Nations just the same as the League of Nations with a different name? Well, it could be. I, I'm not a great a great student of the League of Nations. All I know is that the treaty was signed in uh, at the end of war, uh, World War One, at the Treaty of Versailles. Yes. The American government uh, uh, they signed the treaty uh, to create the League of Nations, and we, the Woodrow Wilson came back to the United States, and the Senate refused to ratify the treaty. And Woodrow Wilson went on a nationwide speaking tour begging the American people to uh, create this, to put pressure on the Senate to approve it. And I believe the reason was because Woodrow Wilson has been promised the government of the world that we were, they were going to create with the League of uh, Nations. And I also believe Franklin Roosevelt was promised the same thing in uh, about 1932 or 33. That if he uh, if we got the League of Nations or the United Nations after World War II, he would become the head of it, and that was an awful big uh, a plum for a man to um, to achieve to. Have you confronted any government official with this copy <laughs> of the newspaper? No, I, I I wouldn't even I don't have a chance. I've got other issues with with my congressmen and senators, but but I understand it's a it's a it's a it there it is. By the way, and I want your people to know I didn't do it with a. With a computer and a and a modem, I did that strictly. You can, I, in fact, I still got the envelope from the library, Hilo, Hawaii. I wrote, I called the library, asked them if they had the paper. Would they make me a photocopy of the top? And they sent it to me. Anyone can do that to verify that this article is real. Right. And I wanted to preface the show with that, which, like I said, that jumped at me when I went to your website. But, Ralph, just what is it that you would you have found? that you wish to bring to the attention of our listeners? Well, in, in a very short summary form, Mel, there is a conspiracy at work in the United States and the world. In fact, Bill Clinton told us about it on the night of July the 16th, 1992, on national television. He confirmed that there was an international conspiracy already at work, not only in the United States, but in the world, and that they already controlled the world. It wasn't over yet. They controlled it, and they hadn't gotten their world government that they, many people believe they want. And I believe you said, uh, President Bill Clinton, I believe that he had no aversion to it. In other words, uh, his mentor, Carol Quigley, uh, said that and he's not opposed to uh, no. the conspiracy. The, the, here's the here's the way that Bill Clinton did this, and I'll make us make it as brief as I can. Bill Clinton, as a child, wanted to become president. He decided that he, for some reason, or at least get into politics, and he met uh, Senator William Fulbright, and uh, in Arkansas, that's where uh, uh, Clinton was from. And William Fulbright, I believe, encouraged him to go to, to go to college at Georgetown University, uh, where he would be taught by Dr. Carol Quigley. And Dr. Quigley, he did go to Georgetown University, and there Clinton was taught for four years by Dr. Carol Quigley. Halfway between his, approximately halfway between his four years there, in 1966, uh, Dr. Quigley published his book entitled uh, Tragedy and Hope. And that book details very carefully by naming names and other, and details that there is an international conspiracy. It's very real. It controls both parties equally. It controls communism, and it also financed World War II, both sides. Hitler's war machine was built not in totally, but almost totally, by American and European businessmen with a certain outcome of a World War II.
Almost like uh, Michael Rupert would say, instead of Republicans and Democrats, we have the... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.